but i was uh, quite clueless of what my uh, career path should be and there's been no looking back yeah uh, actually i was tricked into getting back to india you know i have that entrepreneur kira in me it was a very nascent market at that time it was kind of unheard of india actually grew phenomenally digitally normalizing pre-owned luxury then we refund your entire money no questions asked Hello everyone. Welcome to the Breaking Uneven podcast. We love to talk shop, uncover the beauty of failures and play a few games. We have with us today the founder of the Lux Exchange, Madhuri Bajaj. Madhuri went from an internship in finance to a master's in finance to a finance analyst before jumping into luxury branded goods, first with Dua Vivo and then with the Lux Exchange. Um have we missed anything noteworthy from your journey so far? I think that's that's pretty much it in a nutshell. Yeah. Cool. So, uh before we, you know, get into your personal journey, we're going to get a quick understanding of what the Lux Exchange is. So, this is called the Twitter Fit Challenge and Twitter is known for its 280 character limit on every tweet which makes it a little difficult to convey your thoughts sometimes. So, it takes about 20 seconds to speak to 80 characters and that's the challenge that we transfer to you which is to explain to us the Lux Exchange in 20 seconds. Um it's not that easy though you still need to use one emoji and one hashtag in your tweet do you get the gist of it yeah okay cool so i've got the so am i supposed to think of the mind. emoji in this 20 seconds also yeah emoji and hashtag in 20 seconds don't okay. worry like <laughs> mostly people are able to do it so i've okay. got my timer with me so you've got 3 2 1 go The Luxchange is an online platform that assists luxury lovers to sell and buy pre-owned luxury bags and accessories at less than 50% of the market price. The Luxchange is for men, women and kids. And a heart emoji. Hashtag. Hashtag, hashtag #prelovd luxury. Not bad. I think barring your uh, thinking time you just about made it in 20 seconds. Um Okay. we had people go up to 40 50 seconds also so okay i think it's the one liner thing that matters most and you got that part yeah. right yeah okay great perfect um so yeah before we get into your entire journey as an entrepreneur i feel like um if you look at like your early career and your education and not shall it was around finance so uh we love to know why you chose finance and that specialization so uh, actually like any uh, i mean most uh, you know students of 10th and 12th standard i was uh, quite clueless of what my uh, career path should be uh, i always knew that i had to study i wanted to study i wanted to do something but i never had any clear path i i opted for architecture interior designing a lot of different different streams and uh, i ended up taking science in 11th and 12th thinking i would keep my options open maybe after 12th uh, you know the light bulb would uh, you know click and i would know what i want to do so i took up uh, computer science in my 11th and 12th and uh, after that also i was quite clueless uh, so i was like okay let's give architecture a chance because some career counselor told me that i'm good at physics and math so i should go into architecture and uh, yeah I, i didn't get the choice uh, college of my choice so i'm like okay let's do interiors but then i didn't get to go to bombay so i was like hmm so what should i do next so i opted for uh, because i love numbers all through and through so i was like okay maybe finance is for me 
I got into uh, BCom with finance as a specialization. I did my masters because you know my dad told me that that's what I should do before you know pursuing my career. I got into masters in finance. I came back and I got a job at uh, Copalamba. Uh, they are a subsidiary of Moody. So we used to you know manage the reports and back end uh, you know documents and all of that of all these investment banks. And uh, the one year at Copalamba, I. uh you know i really excelled at my excel skills but i didn't pick up anything from that job because i i just didn't find it interesting so i was like okay maybe i should do something of my own and uh, that's when one of my friends dads approached me and uh, i had left copalamba so he approached me with this idea of do a vivo so i uh, quickly jumped into it uh, started with my entrepreneurial journey then and it, i think it's been 8 years and there's been no looking back yeah nice and uh, so yeah you mentioned you did a masters degree so you did that at gas business school yeah so yeah. tell us one reason why you chose to move back to india rather than staying in the uk uh actually i was tricked into getting back to india by my parents <laughs> <laughs> so my dad was like yeah yeah you finished your course just come back for a month and you know then we we'll let you go but i came back and he's like surprise you're not going back so i was like okay you know now that i'm back let's uh, you know try, explore some options here so it's been a very uh, i didn't know what to do kind of a journey until i think by chance i found my calling uh, i realized through my journey at dua vivo that uh, you know i have that entrepreneur kira in me but i think it was just about time that somebody discovered it and kind of helped me uh, you know work on it and build it so so yeah that's been uh, my not so interesting career trajectory but here i am loving what i do and uh, i think uh, i'm quite uh, ambitious and driven to you know go further and further in this so one thing i noticed on your profile is you know there's a three year gap between when dua vivo closed and when the lux change started so what happened yeah. in those three years So actually, Dua Vivo uh, shut because uh, you know we we had uh, you know the the team that was uh, looking looking at doing different things at that point in time, uh, and I think I I I also was uh, undergoing a major life change at that point. So I was moving from Bangalore to uh, you know Baroda, Gujarat. So you know to start anything new at that point seemed like a futile effort because I wanted to kind of. get uh, you know settled in a new city and new place and all of that i got married so i moved into a new family and all of that so uh, and the the and i wanted to start something uh, you know the lux change much earlier but soon after i got married uh, the pandemic hit so uh, for almost 2 years it was like uh, you never know when is the right time to start because the whole world was kind of recovering from a you know massive uh, change that they didn't know what to do about so you know it was uh, just one fine day uh, i remember september last last year i just took my laptop and i'm like i'm going to start lux change i thought of a name like within 5 minutes i designed a website on shopify and i just got started so i think and please forgive me if i'm wrong but to a large extent the idea of dua vivo and the lux change is kind of similar right they they still both it's I, it's because... exactly the same yeah it's exactly the same i was so really convinced about change, change the, the banner name. yeah um uh, because uh, you know that dua vivo was in a partnership with 
um, you know somebody and uh, secondly i realized there were a lot of challenges in the name uh, recall also from customers so they would mispronounce the name they would misspell the name they would uh, you know all sorts of things happening so uh, you know in those three three years of uh, you know working as part of dua vivo i realized that you don't need to fancify any uh, you know you don't have to use any fancy jargons or you know fancify what you're doing you if you want to reach out to the maximum number of people you need to keep it as uh, hard hitting and uh, you know clear crystal clear as possible so dua vivo was a brilliant name that you know we had set which meant a second life but it was not resonating very well with our audience uh, you know there was a very very small fraction of people who was even able to spell it or say it correctly so you know if you want a brand to be uh, re- uh, you know remembered and recognized you need the name to be easy to remember easy to pronounce easy t- if somebody is telling 10 friends they should be able to say it without a hesitation no for sure and very impressive that you could get a name in 5 minutes anajana yeah. tried <laughs> like for this podcast we took an entire day and we narrowed down to three names and then took days after to like f- fix on one name it's like yeah, it's basically finding... the short for luxury and exchange you know what do you do at yeah. luxury exchange it's you just keep trading your luxury goods and i wanted the to be there because i just felt like the adds so much weight to a name so the luxury <laughs> as opposed to just luxury fair enough but um so when you were starting again and given that it was like the same idea what made you stick with that idea versus um starting something completely new because you said you had that entrepreneurial kida anyway yeah. new, so you wanted to start something but what was it that kept you with the same idea uh you know when we had started uh, dua vivo in 2016 it was a very nascent market at that time it was kind of unheard of uh, you know buying or selling pre owned luxury so at that time there were a lot of layers that of marketing that we had to go through to get the point across to market our brand or our business concept to people uh over those 3 or 4 years that we were there we did a lot of we put a lot of effort into educating the client about what this whole concept is about and uh, secondly even through our every experience every sale or every uh, procurement that we did we realized that people have this need but they just didn't know that they, they, there was a place locally that they could do this and uh, thankfully in two years that uh, india and the whole world was struck with the pandemic india actually grew phenomenally digitally like it just it was so easy for people to just you know make payments or uh, trust online side because everyone had become so used to online shopping so that was a very big boon uh, for the luck change when we started and also uh, in the last 8 years you know the gap that we had uh, there were many players also that came into the market and rather than making you know feeling insecure or feeling uh, threatened by that i actually realized that there are so many people who are uh, confident about this concept that they have ventured into getting into this space and uh, they are also putting in that effort of normalizing pre-owned luxury you know that whole stigma of using and selling pre-owned luxury is going down by a lot because there are so many players in the market and who are constantly making it seem a very generic or normal thing to do so you know the market has become very well versed and very very well adapted to this concept of pre owned luxury 
No, for sure. Agreed. And I think like for you, the difference was also timing, right? Like in your favor, COVID made things go more digital where people yeah. trusted this process more. So even though it didn't work a couple of years before, like now your timing yeah. was in your favor, which helped you then yeah. relaunch yeah. the same idea. Definitely. So when we started in 2016, 2017 for us, because we were pretty much an online platform and we had a few stores also that we had opened up. payments for for indians was still a you know barrier it would take like a couple of hours or it would take like a day that they had to go to the bank or you know set up their bank accounts and all of that now through gpay and paytm people can just pay an advance of 1000 rupees also and block in it nice yeah and um the whole like counterfeit market is like quite heavy overall in the world as well so like in india when you're starting something like this how do you build the trust of your customers cuz i feel like users as well indians more than others are a little more like um cautious Very, about how they yeah. buy things and yeah, yeah uh how they like from where they are buying especially when it's like online and they can't tangibly see it it creates that sense of yeah it feels so like how did you overlap that entire board, uh, barrier and um yeah build the trust in your customers so uh, when we are selling we as a business have to always think from a customer's mindset you know like what we do how the customer would think or perceive and how we should convince that customer and make them actually feel at ease for shopping through us so uh, the first round of checks that we do is through our physical checks and we get it authenticated we have tied up with global authentication experts called real authentication and authenticate first so we are pretty much the only ones in the industry who actually give a certificate a valid pdf certificate from these companies to every uh, to every customer of us so suppose you purchase a louis vuitton bag or a michael kors bag whichever brand bag you purchase from us we will give you a certificate of that particular item from one of these two agencies and how you can confirm that it's not a you know fabricated pdf is you can scan a qr code that will directly take you to the website of that agency and you know they will check and why we trust these agencies is because they are very detailed and thorough in their uh, authentication you know the the amount of detailed images that they uh, request for every single item they take their time to give us their opinion like there have been times where we've sourced uh, you know bags that even the store people the the actual store people suppose it's a gucci bag the gucci store people have not been dif- able to differentiate whether it's a fake or, or a real and the agency that we have worked with they have given us their opinion that it's a fake and we also offer a lifetime money back guarantee so in case you ever come back with a valid proof that this item that we sold to you is a fake then we refund your entire money no questions asked it's a very interesting point which i think um yeah well it is going to make one of our games later a little difficult let me let's let's uh you know dial back to finance right so considering all your uh history with finance and as you said you're a numbers person through and through yeah how has that played into your thinking about the lux chain because it's not easy to price second hand goods right it's a very yeah um, it does require a very different type of pricing strategy so where does that knowledge feed into your role today so honestly that is i would not say that is completely the finance background that also comes a lot from the experience and uh, kind of doing a lot of industry based research 
so uh, you know because of my excel skills that i uh, you know uh, learned so well at that in that one year uh, you know we are able we've been able to set up like a pricing matrix that we follow for every uh, brand uh, category uh, condition and with, uh, based on all these factors we've been able to devise a matrix that allows us to immediately uh, arrive at the most fair valuation and while i was devising that uh, you know matrix uh, i was always comparing uh, the comparable values of the final result with the industry so what other players globally and in india are pricing that similar bag at so that's how we designed that pricing matrix and we use that for all our valuations so as i understand it right i won't be directly speaking to a consumer to the seller right i will be speaking no. like So through Luxie, yeah. I'm sure. Yeah, so I'm sure you know the Bestiaire Collective uh, yeah. in the UK, and that's a slightly different model where you directly kind yeah. of uh, trade. Yeah. Why did you choose to go with your model where you're the meet like you're you're the hundred percent mediator as compared to being a marketplace for connections? I mean, there are many reasons, uh, you know, and it's in, in there are a lot of India-specific reasons and there are a lot of generic reasons also. one is that when you directly deal with the customer there is no way of uh, you know proving the authenticity of the item you know the person could have sourced it from any xyz uh, you know uh, place and still have like a bill or a card and all of that which will help you which will make you convinced that it's an authentic piece so having a mediator like us us helps you in uh, guaranteeing the authenticity of the item the fair price also so when you you know directly talk to a customer it can lead to a lot of frustration a lot of uh, you know disagreements and all of that whereas when we act as a mediator we kind of help balance the seller's expectations and the buyer's offer we do that and uh, in india specifically everyone wants everything to be done at their doorstep nobody wants to get into the hassle ki mujhe kahin jaake kisi ko courier karna hai ya kisi se baat karna nobody has the time everyone is busy with something or the other they just want to be treated like you know like the luxury royalty whether they are a seller or a buyer they want to be treated like that so you know the the service that we provide is doorstep pick up to doorstep delivery so whether it's from the seller everything is handled by us and right to the buyer everything is handled by us so that convenience and comfort is what most indians need rather than want in our industry and especially when you're a luxury buying customer you want that luxury experience to be given to you through and through okay i feel like a lot of luxury purchases over overall is about the experience right so like yeah. in this case you're not negating that even though it's second hand or pre-loved you're still keeping not that at all. entire even our packaging alive. has to feel luxury so and anyone who opens a package from the luxury has to feel like they're ex- they're receiving a gift you know so so that is what we try to uh, achieve with every buyer or even seller that we uh, you know we attend to we try to give them the most uh, luxury uh, experience and treatment whether it's in our manner of uh, talking to them or in our services that we offer to them we try to do that and i know there are platforms that uh, you know even in india that allow a direct customer to customer uh, trade and we have uh, you know i constantly go and keep checking them and i see you know those same sellers who list their items on that platform try to sell with us 
and what they have listed on that platform and we have uh, cons- we have asked them to send them to us they've turned out to be a fake so when they are listed on those direct customer to customer platform there's no way of telling that it's a fake or a, a real piece but when it has come to us we have realized and it's the same uh, piece that we have seen not you know somebody else with a something uh, with a different bag interesting so what percentage would you say like out of the people like that come to you to sell the item are fake just out of curiosity i mean it's not a, it's not a small number but percentage wise i would say probably 2 to 5% you know not not a very big percentage wise but yeah there there are fakes that uh, you know come now and then probably once in a once in a fortnight or once in a month at least a one piece would be there so there's a large uh, influx of brands now you know coming to india personally right so for example you've got everything from an elisa maison to a remova opening in mumbai and that um, i presume that that's a very good thing for the luxe chains because if they enter today then two to three years later you'll have a different yeah. set of products coming yeah. through the platform as well so how do you kind of uh, you know convince someone that hey like cuz for example if i buy i don't know a, a pair of lv loafers right i would use that for like 5 6 years cuz it lasts and i would use it until it's like absolutely worn out so as to say um so who what is the kind of persona that actually says that you know maybe 2 or 3 years later hey this is still in good condition but i want to switch it up how do you get that across to them and how do you find um, those people so honestly that also happens suppose probably through one experience you know if you send us like suppose you're a first time seller on the lux change uh you know you're lucky if in the first go you send us items which are in decent sellable condition you know a lot of times it happens where people send send us pictures of really worn out items and we are like if you are not okay with using them why would you expect somebody to pay for them you know so even if it's pre owned it ought to be in buyable condition or sellable condition so when we receive such queries then we always make it a point to educate the seller because they probably can't you know they don't have uh they, they can't relate to how a buyer would uh, you know uh, you know decide on their pre owned luxury purchases so we always make an make an effort to educate the seller that this is what works in so even category wise we tell the sellers that this category only new items work this category even slightly used items are okay so that's how uh, you know the, probably the next cycle onwards the quality improves from a seller from one seller to the other and then it- in terms of your uh, you know coordination with the seller do you kind of let's say let's say i come to your platform right do you tell me hey anuj your um, whatever loafers are worth 20000 rupees and we'll buy it off of you for 20000 and then do you go list it for 24 or do you tell them hey we've done a valuation this will sell for somewhere around 24 we're going to keep 10% of it so which model do you use uh over the time we realized that people don't care about what you sell it at most people they only care what they are going to receive at the end of it so while we want to give them only information that they want to know but we also uh, you know our, our most important principle is to maintain transparency so suppose if you give us send us pictures of your loafers and we give you a valuation we will tell you that this is how much you can expect to receive in hand after all deductions once the item sells and in that same email you will also have a contract or an agreement attached 
that spells out the terms of the consignment between us and it also has the consignment structure mentioned the commission structure so with that with the help of that you can also determine ki agar mujhe if they are telling me 10000 or 15000 then they are going to be selling at 5000 more or 4000 more or 7000 more you would be able to know that so there's nothing hidden and you always have the luxury of going to the website and checking the prices so we don't uh, you know hide any information per se you know we we want to be as crystal clear and we also give you exactly the information that you need and every communication we try to do it over emails only though a lot of people insist that whatsapp pay let's close the deal and all of that but we keep all the email communication uh, in place because for even the seller or the exchange having that proper line of communication in a in a more uh, legitimate way is the best way to work yeah 100% and um, like in terms of your pricing structure do you differ that by the kind of good or is it like a flat commission across like most products like is it different for a bag versus shoes or do you just have the same commission across so we we do we don't have the same commission because we understand that as the value of the uh, product increases the you know the commission also increases so then we reduce the percentage for higher value items and for lower because you know we have to start with a minimum threshold to even cover the uh, you know variable expenses that as a business we incur so we have a uh, you know the lower limit threshold that we have set and as the price selling price increases then the commission percentage reduces so it's more in terms of the price of the, the value product, not necessarily yes, uh, category wise not necessarily the category okay yeah and um uh, do you see yourself uh, expanding in like different kinds or, or specializing like either or in like particular kinds of goods or uh, is it going to be like a marketplace for anything and everything in uh, the luxury and so our our aim is to stay in the same uh, in the personal goods space we don't want to venture into uh, you know cars and real estate and all of that but yeah anything that a person can wear on their body everything will be available on the luxchange so that's like bags belts shoes uh, sunglasses watches anything that a person can carry on themselves as interesting because you know uh when you get into let's say the world of watches or jewelry that in itself is a entire industry of its own right mm-hmm. like even yeah. with fashion etc so how, is it difficult or you know how do you kind of um for example i know i i have a close friend of mine who's a big time watch enthusiast and you know he i think would be quite clear that if he wants to buy a watch he would go to something like an ethos watches or something where he is directly speaking to people with the kind of knowledge that he has yeah. so how would you kind of compete with that level of um intricacy in that industry so i i agree to the point that yeah, it is a little difficult to compete with a brand like ethos that are specialized in in the watches space but also uh, you know the biggest power that luxchange offers to the seller or the buyer is the right to negotiate so you know if there's a watch available with the lux change and uh, suppose uh, you know janvi is the seller anuj is the buyer and uh, anuj says that i i have quoted anuj 5 lakhs for that watch and anuj is like in 450 we have a deal immediately 
you know you negotiate on the price then janvi go back to janvi and we tell her that see there is a slight reduction that you might have to suffer but we're looking at an immediate sale and then janvi is like yeah probably you know instead of waiting for that 50000 uh, to come later i'd rather you know get my 4 4.5 lakhs in hand right now and close the deal and i think in your case what would be a big uh, uh like what would be a big benefit to you is also like retention right like for example if today i go and buy a bag from the luxe change i get it i know it's real like i have the entire luxury yeah. experience of unpackaging yeah. it and at that point i know okay this place is a trustworthy place so then if Legit, i want to buy yeah. a watch or something more yeah. you know high ticket different yeah. i would probably come back on that note uh let's go to our next challenge which is called two lies one truth okay the luxe change gets a lot of queries to sell patel philip watches the luxe change has shipped internationally and uh, the luxe change is a team of comprising of men and women i'm going to say that the truth is that you'll get a lot of queries about patel philip watches i'm going to go over the other shipped internationally so should i reveal the answer yeah, yeah. which one's the truth <laughs> Right, yeah. <laughs> where where did you ship to? Which country? Dubai. We shipped a few orders to Dubai. Yeah. <laughs> I thought as much. I think Dubai is a um, it's it, like with a lot of the businesses that I have seen, their first international foray is generally somewhere in the Middle East. I think um, it's also because it's easier uh, to do exports to Dubai. Yeah, yeah, it is. It, there's much. It is much easier, even customs-wise, um, yeah, to go to yeah. Dubai. But so you're telling me that the entire team of at at the Lux Change is women. Only, all are women. Yeah. yeah. That's interesting. Is that something you've done on purpose, or did it just happen organically? Oh, uh, I mean. it's it is on purpose because uh, especially after moving to gujarat i realized that uh, you know i think women are not given that much of in in general you know women are not given that i mean they have not been given the uh, you know the thought of being ambitious only so you know i wanted that uh, whoever joins my team is a a woman and b you know comes with comes and learns to become ambitious you know just wants to um, you know grow become independent and grow themselves professionally nice um but yeah let's move on to our next game is called uh, red flags we're going to give you three hypothetical situations composed of two things that are going good which are the green flags and then one which is not so great the red flag you need to assume that these statements are true and we've adapted these for you and then you have to pick which of these three uh, which one of these three situations you would rather be in and tell us why so situation 1 the lux change has grown to 100 employees your turnover is 5x that of last year but your website crashes during your biggest promotion of the year situation 2 the lux change has more than 5000 product listings you have about 50000 monthly active users but someone is selling fake products under your name on a copycat website situation 3 the lux change has numerous products that aren't available otherwise in india a large marketplace has offered to acquire the lux change 
but your margin on sales is continuously reducing and it's become uh, really difficult to recover overheads. So these are your three situations and you have to tell us which one you would rather be in. Honestly, I would uh, pick the first situation because if I have a hundred employees, then I need to first fix that five uh, X figure and make it a bigger multiple. And uh, given the current situation that the website is more of a uh, you know display platform for us right now, so if I have a hundred employees, then I would uh, you know probably increase my turnover from you know through them. Fair enough. It makes sense uh, that like, especially given that like your business is not done on the website itself, like you still have a medium to continue sales, even if it crashes for a bit. So it's not hampering like the long term uh, business, but more of and like you have the work force to fix it faster. So in a way, it kind of works out. But um, yeah, I feel like the other ones the green flags are much larger, but so are the red flags. So it can get a little trickier. I mean, the situ- third situation is good too, but uh, I mean, I don't want I don't want to yet consider the possibility of having to sell the luck chains to somebody. So interesting. Yeah. Fair enough. Cool. So now is your time to get like re-energized because we're going to be playing the rapid fire. So self-explanatory. Um, very quick answers, very quick questions. Uh, it's still very chill, so don't worry. Um, so I'm just going to kick it off. How many days of leave have you taken in the last year? Quite a few, actually. Probably 50, 50, 60. Days. That's good, yeah. Nice. It's not a very common answer we get. Um, what has been your proudest moment with the Lux change? When we sold that watch for eight and a half lakhs. Fair enough. Uh, what was your biggest sacrifice to make the luck change possible? I think just trying to balance, uh, you know, life and work, especially uh, after being married. So, yeah, that's been, I would not say sacrifice. I would say the biggest challenge. Fair enough. Have you ever listed an item on the luck change? What was it? Yeah, I have, I have listed a couple of my husband's items uh, without his <laughs> I, I just open to his cupboard. I'm like, I don't see you using these. Just sell them. So, yeah. <laughs> without his consent. What was one time you felt like you let the luck change down? Probably when uh, when I, you know, take those leaves, I do feel that, uh, I do feel, you know, some sense of guilt that I'm, you know, leaving that and uh, going on a holiday or going here and there for whatever reasons. Yeah, I think that's the that's the cost of being a founder. Like you could even take two leaves a year and still feel guilty about those two days. Yeah, I think yeah. that's just how it is. Um, cool. At this stage in your life, do you think, uh, do you believe that you'll ever retire in the future? I actually feel that you should continue work, keep working until, uh, you know, until your body physically allows you to. Because uh, once you, uh, you know, get used to working, get, get into the whole you know, mindset of working, then you really can't not do it. You know, it I, actually, I feel like it, it helps your soul also thrive. Just, uh, you know, being there, uh, you know, thinking, exploring, innovating, growing, it, 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 it feeds your uh, mind more than anything else. So, uh, I mean, I don't think about retiring in the near future, at least. If I'm forced to at some point, then I don't know, but uh, I don't want to. <laughs> uh, do you prefer books or podcasts? 
definitely podcast i follow steep reading books <laughs> so definitely <laughs> podcast are you an ipad person or a notebook person uh to take down notes i still prefer writing them because it kind of makes me feel like i'm also remembering it while writing it uh but yeah once i write down everything then i need to like you know type it out and save it i save it somewhere in excel <laughs> or google docs or something like that interesting are you a morning person or a night owl not a morning person uh not so much of a night owl also i i prefer sleeping at a reasonable time and i i don't wake up early i wake up at a good time <laughs> 8:39 would be a good time for me fair enough and finally what's your favorite social media instagram instagram personally so, and professionally and profess oh yeah i mean I, i guess in your case it does make sense professionally yeah. as well yeah. yeah so that concludes the rapid fire segment and we're almost at the end of our conversation uh but before we let you go we ask every guest of ours to ask a question to our next guest so we're going to first ask you your question from our previous guest and then you can ask a question to our next guest so your question is what is the sweetest thing you have done for an employee mm-hmm. i think this is a poll that we should probably take from them i guess i don't know <laughs> uh yeah actually recently uh, one of my team members uh, you know wanted to go on a 15 day uh, break and she was she is one of our key employees but i realized that uh, you know she's been working so hard and you know doing you know working overtime and all of that so you know without a without a hitch i was like uh, you know you need this break so you should take it and go for this and it was a family vacation so i think that is probably like the extent to which i have gone for my team so far there'll be more opportunities so in the future far. i guess still i think still and very early in the journey but hopefully yeah but uh... Yeah I think that's where we're at the end of the conversation uh and Madhuri thank you so much for coming on board I don't know why you were nervous because it was an absolute pleasure speaking to you and I think it was really easy so uh, it was fun actually doing this podcast I was uh, very uh, anxious apprehensive how it's going to be other and going to be difficult questions so I told Dandi that if I fumble at any question then probably I'm not doing my uh, job right as a founder I guess but uh, yeah this was a lot of fun and uh, i think it also gave me a lot of things to think about that i've never thought about in my life you know you just you just go with it you know as the days come you just go with it and uh, yeah thank you guys for doing this uh, with me